0: Welcome to our second episode of the Sun's Undone Podcast, part of the Post Podcast Network. TixBlix is the official ticket provider for the Post Podcast Network.
1: Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well look no further, with TixFlix, the price you see is the price you pay, and TixFlix just happens to have over 6 billion dollars in ticket inventory just waiting for you. They absolutely mean it when they say, every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And you can save even more with promo code PULSE in all caps to save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TixFlix.com and click the search bar, search events based on your geographic location. Pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TixFlix.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay up to date on the latest news and savings with TixFlix. That's TixFlix.com. T-I-X-D-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere.
0: Don't forget to use promo code. Pulse, P U L S E, at checkout. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I am your resident New York Suns fan, Christopher Severino. It is a pleasure to be here with you guys doing our second episode of the Suns Undone podcast. My first episode here with uh, my team that I love so much. Pretty much a cool thing that we're doing here um, starting this podcast. It's an honor to be here with you guys. So, kicking it right off, we got Tony Pickett, which is our resident Suns fan from North Carolina. Tony, say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. hello. We also have Jacob Hernansky, who is our de facto producer, if you will, for the podcast. Jake, say hi to everybody.
2: How you doing, fellas?
0: And, last but clearly, and definitely not least... We have Marquise Nicholson, also known as Swavy Keys in the Twitter sphere. How you doing, dude? <laughs> Good. We're going to kick it right off. We're going to talk about the Suns losing their 16th straight contest. 111-98 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do we see? What do we like? What don't we like? Who wants to start us off?
2: i I'll go first. We lost to the Cavs, man. I mean, coming off the All-Star break and playing against one of the worst teams in the league, I thought we were going to come out the second half of the season and be much better, and it was just worse. And it's embarrassing, and I just had no words after the loss last night.
0: Yeah, um, I'm kind of in the same boat. We started the game little promising in the first quarter. It looked like, you know, regardless of our poor shooting, that we were getting opportunities in the fast break. We were converting the turnovers into points and using our athleticism and our speed to our advantage against a Cavs team, which has been slightly worse than us top three in lottery standings, just as we are. Um, so looked kind of promising in the first half from a certain standpoint, um, but it just kind of went downhill from there. So, it's disappointing to see this team come out like that. You heard Booker talk about a bunch of things, you know, before the All-Star break, how we kind of, as a team, or they as a team, have to take more responsibility, look in the mirror, put more onus on each other to kind of just get to that next level where they're not taking these losses um, by 10, 15 points, double digits in general. And, you know, nothing really changed. they They lost the game by 13 points, so... That's unfortunate to see coming off of all star break that we kind of like out bigger do much better. So
3: Yeah, I mean it's really business as usual for this team, honestly. Like it's I mean, like you said, sixteen straight losses. I mean, they're they're just so set in their ways now. That's why you see these good spurts at the beginning of the games where they'll start the game off well to, um, getting steals, getting fast breaks and things like that. But they just go right back to what they were doing because they've been so used to doing those certain things over this losing streak, and it's always going to come back to that. And that's why at this point, it's just, it's really just a slow crawl into the end of the season.
4: Just survive. That's what it looks like to me. I couldn't agree more. this point, I'm just hoping we at least get 13, maybe 14 wins. Mm-hmm. You do realize we're at 11 right now. That's just sad, man. <laughs> At this point, I just hope we get to thirteen or fourteen because I feel like we really can't stop nobody. Like he said, they ran the same play like how many times in a row? We couldn't. We didn't stop yeah. it until
0: Uber until eight to stay with Zizic. And they were running our own stuff. They ran our own play that we have in our sets, and they ran it seven, eight times in a row, and we could do absolutely nothing to stop it. It's embarrassing.
2: You saw like Uber said what Tyler Johnson told the team is that when teams play the Suns, they just tell each other, play hard for 48 minutes because they don't know how to win and they're going to give up. And that's what we do. Once we're down, we just
3: stop.
0: Yeah. And that's a really good point because you see this team as young and even though we've been as bad as we've been, they're still promising. You still see the promise in Devin Booker. You see the promise in Kelly Oubre. You see the promise in DeAndre Ayton. And Mikhail Bridges, Milton during a certain stretch, or Kobo even through a certain stretch, and so on and so forth. Even Josh Jackson, of course, who gets a lot of hate in the Twitter sphere, especially by certain Suns fans. We won't name any names, but <laughs> that being said, um, you see the promise. But I, I think it's what happens is you see the promise individually, and you don't really see the cohesion. So Josh Jackson will, you know, play good through the stretch. Ayan will have, you know, a good stretch. Booker will have a good stretch. But they don't find a way to kind of make it gel and come together where you can see it on a nightly basis, where they're improving and they're kind of putting the work in, you know. So it's just going to be interesting to see how you know they can get to the point where they're putting that all together and, and being a better team or just competing a little bit.
2: Yeah, that is facts. They've never had their stretches together. Besides, I just hate the, the four-game win streak, and that's it. Yeah, I
3: just hate having to wait to the end of the season. To like look for stuff like that because then I get stuck in between. Do we look better because teams just don't care now? They're just waiting for the playoffs, or are we actually looking better? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. That's why I would much rather see that promise and that progress early. And sadly, I haven't seen too much. I mean, I like Aiden, of course. I mean, great player, gonna be a great player in my opinion. But honestly, I'm just. I don't know. I'm speechless right now. 11
2: wins, man, <laughs> after the All Star break. Jesus. It's it's ju- it's just embarrassing by now, man. We weren't it supposed is. to be this
4: bad. Oh. Well, last night. Well, I'm, we're pretty numb to losing, so we still be mad, but we're pretty numb to it at this point. Oh, definitely, not about doubt. Yeah, but well, Booker said they were running the same play over and over. That's. That's an our own play. That's that's like a WWE superstar doing another, another superstar's move on him. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> that's it
0: that's, yeah. It's a it's a pretty good analogy and having no counter for the move that you created yourself. Yeah, man. right. <laughs> your your <laughs> button broke It's nonsensical <laughs> because you know you can say what you want about the guys being young. You can say what you want about having a rookie head coach, but. You know, even those Brett Brown, Philadelphia Sixers teams that were young, that had guys from the G League, you know, uh, had guys that were undrafted and what have you, they were top 10 in defensive efficiency for years on end, even though they only had 10 wins, 15 wins, 20 wins. So there was promise. There was something there. You know, the only thing you can say is that the Suns are like seventh and fast break points. We know that. And nothing else, you know, pretty much last place in every other.
2: We leave the league in steals.
4: Uh, we always have thirty
3: point <laughs> games that <put> your ass. How many double doubles Aiden got. Yeah, like we love doing that. Suns Twitter loves
0: sending that out. Man. <laughs> Good God. The the worst thing about it is that we showed some real promise in the middle of December where we won four straight games. But since yeah. then we have a record of three and twenty five. And 15 of those losses have come by 10 or more points. Oh my God. So, so just, just consider that for one moment. And I think that the point that you guys brought up about being numb to it is a very good one because I think not only as players are the Suns' players numb, but as fans, we kind of get numb to it. You don't realize how much losing we actually do and how bad the losing is. You know, Because we have these stretches where we look kind of good, we look competitive, and then it kind of falls apart and the guys just kind of give up. You know, but to think in December, they looked pretty good. They won fourth straight. It kind of revitalized us and make, made us feel like we had some kind of chance to improve and maybe have a better second half. But then 28 games since that four game losing, excuse me, winning streak, we end up only winning three of those, and then 15 of those were by 10 or more points. It's just like we're just rolling over, basically.
2: I do think... 'Cause that four game win streak ended in a triple overtime game. And we in the next day we had a game also. I think that triple overtime game against the Wizards broke us completely. I think if we would have won but, that I mean, game, we'd be having a much different conversation.
4: Such a fun game, jeez. It's one of the best games of the year too.
2: That game was crazy. Yeah. And we had so many opportunities to win it.
3: We really did. And we let Thomas Bryant go, it. like,
2: 18 for 18.
3: Man, <laughs> yes. Everybody wants to make. start that game. <laughs> <laughs> It's awful when, no matter who we play, it's always the most random
0: player who has a career high of 10 points or goes off for 20, 30, 40 points against us. You know, it's just yeah, like, that's yeah. where it's kind of like open season whenever the Suns are in town and when people come to town to play it. Yeah, I swear.
2: We lost yeah, a game it. to Abdel Nader this year, man. I haven't heard
4: his name since then either. <laughs> <laughs> the sad part. If we being honest on the roster, I might get a 10 piece. I'm not even lying to you. He probably would. I'm not even going to say probably. You <laughs> wouldn't. I you might would. get 10 just off open shots alone. Because I can yeah. shoot. You go get open shots because we need you be I yeah, might man. get a 10 piece. Yeah, we're just that team, man. We're the we're
3: the team that if teams lose to us, they have a team meeting afterwards. Like, okay, guys, what are we doing here? Yeah, yes. that's a really that's good point. If a bro. team
2: is struggling, they're gonna play us, and they're going on a win streak,
4: Yep. getting all their confidence yep. back too. Yeah, <laughs> we're
2: ah. just we're just the laughing stock of the league. That no, we don't. Nobody takes us serious. Oh, it's harder to the
4: king's place. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the reason why Popovich was so mad when they, when they uh, Rudy Gay hit that game winner on us. Because he yeah. felt like that game was close. When well, that game was close, so in his eyes, we we should have won.
2: Yeah, he said his players didn't try. They didn't care because they're like, oh, all we got to do is play for half the game and we should win by 20.
0: Yeah, we going to have a shot at the end. Yep. So, let's shift the conversation a little bit, guys, since we know we're as bad as we are. We play the Hawks, I believe, next and a few other a few other teams that seem beatable on the surface. But obviously, as evidence shows, we clearly just lost to the Cavaliers. So I don't think we can really mark down any potential wins without a shot of a doubt. So with that being said, you know this team is going to be a bottom three team in the league probably for the rest of the year. How do you guys feel about the lottery? How do you feel about somebody like Zion Williamson, who's clearly been the number one uh, overall pick on anybody's draft board
2: and the potential of maybe getting him or getting another guy like him. It's Zion or bust for me, man. If we get the second pick, trade it immediately. (laughs) Go get get a point guard or a power forward or get depth. It doesn't matter, man. Anybody that will help us win.
3: Yeah, honestly, I I'm scared because I don't know if whoever we draft is just going to become part of this losing culture that we've set into anyway. I don't. I don't really know how to change a losing culture. Like I don't know how to do that. I don't. I don't really know what the Kings did to become more competitive. I mean, I know they had a couple good drafts and all that good stuff, but I haven't really been following them closely enough to know exactly what changed. I mean, they got a pretty good head coach. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I don't. I don't know if we got Zion, like, what would change? I mean, we would be more fun to watch and we'd be more talked about. But, I mean, what, he's going to be the only one out there playing defense? I mean, we got Mikael Bridges, of course, you know, Josh Jackson mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, of course, a lot
4: depends on free agency, too, but yeah, we're talking about the draft right now, so I don't I don't know, that just scares me, that's all. For me, uh, Zion, Zion, however, most people say it. Um, if we got two, I wouldn't be mad if we went with Ja Morant, because I feel like sort of like how Trey Young came in the league we'll be able, was able to play make. I think he'll be able to do that. But um, if we get either way, if we get either one of those two, like we have to add veterans, we're already gonna be super young. So we gotta. I, I need at least three veterans that can play though. Cause we added some veterans last offseason, and uh, we see how that turned out. Every year.
2: Every year we, we add someone. We added Ariza or Tyson Chandler, or Jamal, they don't help us. They're they good locker room presence, okay, but they don't help us on the court, and that's what we need. At
4: all. Yeah, I need vets that care, that are actually going to like try to come and help change. I don't think Ariza and Ryan and them really want to do that. I think Jamal does.
0: See, He's about the, the same th- player he was. The, the thing about it is, is that the type of vets that we're adding are guys that are at the tail end of their career. Uh, Tyson Chandler, uh, Jamal time. Crawford, or uh, Trevor Ariza, they're more like mentor types, right? Trevor Ariza was the perfect guy for the rocket system. A guy in his mid-30s. Tyson Chandler, early to mid-30s. Jamal Crawford, pushing 40. So, I think they need to really evaluate. And I don't know if James Jones is going to be the guy who's going to be there, or if they're going to hire somebody else. But if he's a guy going forward, he has already came out and said that he's looking at four or five different guys in free agency. The way he does that will be interesting to see how he pulls that off because we have the impending free agencies of both uh, Kelly Oubre and Rashawn Holmes, which are clearly two very important players and probably two of all of our favorite players on the team that clearly give all the energy and every single night, regardless of what the score is. So, with that being said, how they handle their free agencies as well as evaluating the right type of veterans for this team, I think, is the next step to kind of getting an improvement out of this team, because adding these 34, 35, 36, 38 year old guys that yeah, are telling their, their career, it's just not going to help the team. I got a question about that also. Like, Do do
3: you guys think, like, ride with me here for a second, like, how you said Trevor Reason was the perfect fit for the Rockets, you know, mid-30s, didn't really have to move much, just need to hit the open three, right? Like, do y'all think that we went after these particular veterans because we, the front
1: office overvalued what we had and thought we would be better and thought maybe
3: those were the kind of pieces we need and then ended up having to rely on them a lot more because the roster turned out to not be as good? Is that what happened?
2: Yes, I think we got Ariza because we thought we would just need him to hit the open three and play defense, but then we we were bad, and we needed him to playmake, and we needed him to do so much more. And it starts with, we started Isaiah Cannon
4: with him. Yeah, uh, we have a play guard, so that hurt. Yeah. So then it, the, the improvement just, I mean, it needs
3: to be internal first and foremost, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I don't, how many more years are we given our young guys? Like, what are we doing here? We, like, if it we're competing like like
2: for uh top pick next season, then it's a failure. Like, there's no way we should be losing eight or five, six, seven years in a row. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if we're terrible next year, I don't know what I'm going to do. It honestly feels and seems like every year we say one more year. Or next year is the year. Or this is the year. And then... Exactly. Especially after that first game, like uh, some of the other members of this podcast discussed... Uh, regarding the state of what we felt the team was, was doing or where they were going with it. After that first game, we had all this hope. We had all this, you know, eyes to the future that kind of saw the promise in the team. Booker even with an injured hand, you know, took over that fourth quarter. And then it seems like that happened two seasons ago. It almost doesn't seem like it was, like it was real. It doesn't seem like, like most of us were in Phoenix watching that and, and actually witnessing it, you know. It almost feel like, like the dream that happened that we can barely even reach back and, and and kind of get back. So it's just one of those things where we really have to evaluate, the front office has to evaluate rather like the right kind of bets. Because to, you, to your point, or my point rather, you brought up again, Trevor Reason was a perfect guy for the Rockets. But then he had to become something that I don't think he signed up to, to want to become. Especially right. that overwhelming mentor role that he had to take on Having to, uh, you know, be there for a guy like Josh Jackson, you know, Mikhail Bridges, and you know T.J. Warren, all the other wins on the team, you know, I think he just kind of mentally checked out. He was there for the money, obviously, because nobody paid him more than we did or offered him as much money. But yeah. I, I think he just checked out when he saw that this team had no promise. Yeah,
2: that first game felt like a playoff game with the atmosphere, of the fans, and everything. It was just like perfect. Ariza was hooping. Everybody was hooping, and then it just went downhill. What well, we started out one and nine after we won the first game, man. Now, oh, now we're yeah. eleven and like eighty. So,
3: oh, they
4: shut us down quick with that one, man. Man, if you told me
3: after that first game that we would end up eleven and fifty or whatever we are, I, I might fight you. Like I, I would yeah. probably fight you. Like honestly, <laughs> it just doesn't. It's, I just can't see how. Like, well, I can see how because the players aren't good. But it's man, it's frustrating, man. Like, we're wasn't even us. It's trying really to good. stay as
2: close. As to me, man. it looks like our roster. We are just missing a point guard, honestly, from being like a thirty-win team. You watch the yes, game and you see Tyler Johnson. He's not passing the ball well. He can't shoot. You then a Kobo checks in. He can't do anything. And it seems like if you get a point guard that can actually play, then he would improve the team like by like 15, 20 wins immediately.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: So I don't think all hope is lost. It just looks like that because they don't have a leader that can get everyone involved.
0: Right. And and setting up the offense is so important. And, and getting the, the ball to the
2: book, number one pick.
0: When all you have is book to set up the offense for the most part because... You know, Melton, as good as he's been through stretches at very early parts of the season because, you know, he currently hasn't been good lately and he's been injured for some time and been out, so um, we're not going to really rag on him. But, you know, Cobo's a rookie who was taken late in the draft. Melton is a second-round rookie who we traded for, and we really don't have any viable point guard options on the team. So when you're guarding uh, Devin Booker, and you're only counting on him when he's the focal point of the offense, getting double and triple team, then you're not getting the ball to A. And like Jake just said, it's kind of like you're digging yourself a hole within yourself. It's like the Suns are not only going against our opponents on a nightly basis, but they're going against themselves in a sense yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because they don't really have the pieces to even necessarily set up an offense. You've got Tyler Johnson, who I believe I read was like 6-33 for 33 so far since joining the team, um, you know, and then you have nothing else besides that. So, yeah, you see,
2: yesterday they were running their set and then it would be a pick and roll for Book and Aiden. But then as soon as Aiden set the pick, Book's getting double teamed and he has to hit the open man and then they can't hit the shots. So then they can just keep doubling because we can't hit open shots. Yep.
4: Yeah, that's a big problem. Watch that happen all the time. That's just for years. Yes, yeah, so I know Book is tired of that, man.
0: They blitz him on, like, every pick and roll.
2: Every single pick and roll, he's getting double.
0: I'm really anxious. I'm really anxious to see free agency this offseason because, you know, regardless of if it's James Jones or somebody else, they need to really evaluate what's the right type of free agent. I've, I look at guys like Amirotic, who's in the 26-, 27-year-old range, who has been in the league for a few years, played overseas, has experience, is really good. And it's he's going to get playoff
2: good, experience this year.
0: Exactly. A good enough defender in the right team concept. Um, obviously, you don't want to out on an island and depend on him to be your last line of defense. But the guy's going to hit shots. He's going to rebound. He's going to play hard. Obviously, there's a little bit of injury history there. But he's a guy that I look towards. I look towards um, a guy like maybe Noah Vonley. Not as highly regarded, but could be really good and actually have played really well. This season has rebounded well, has been a solid defender. Uh, It's kind of growing offensively as well. So we need to kind of look at the right kind of free agents that will actually help this team instead of just trying to find mentors who don't make any sense within the concept of the team.
2: Finding guys that can still play that are in their early or late 20s, early 30s that can contribute and have experience.
4: They can still, they can yeah. mentor and play, because we've just had guys that can just mentor.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, and I know, know their, their role. role, too. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. I I don't want nobody just come in here because they're joining a terrible team and thinking, okay, well, I was on this team with this player. Now I'm over here. They won 11 games, yeah. so I'm going to take a lot more shots. Yeah, none of that. I don't need that.
4: Yeah.
3: That's not Please. That. I don't I'm good. But, yes, well, yeah, we can bring in them. I'm happy.
2: And, and evaluate the talent that we have and get rid of some of those players that on our own team. Because we can't sign anybody unless we get rid of some players. Because we don't have a yeah, lot of money. Absolutely.
0: Exactly. So rid of. Obviously, number one candidate on Suns Twitter to get rid of is TJ Warren.
2: Because he's, he's got the biggest contract and he seems like the odd man out. Because everybody... Loves Mikel. Everybody loves Kelly. Half of Suns Twitter likes Josh and half hates Josh. But he's got the more... Yeah. He's more promising as a prospect than TJ. I don't want to make it seem
4: like... I don't want to lo- make it seem like... Because I know we make jokes a lot about TJ Warren. We don't make it seem like we know he can't he can play or anything. Oh, he's, he's a, a homeboy. Oh, yeah. He's he, he going to get the job done. And I think us training him can get us the pieces we need to be... Because I don't think... I know we got eleven wins, but I don't think we're that far away from like Jake said from like being at least hitting thirty wins next season. We're not I don't think we're that
0: far away. I think we get a good point guard and we hit that. If we had it a couple of defense with that, we can get more than it that. Just, it just takes one or two moves. Um and so a guy like T J Warren has a lot of value around this league. He's a guy, he's a perennial guy, pretty much one on two years and has averages twenty and five on like fifty percent shooting and now he's out of the three ball. And for a while he was shooting ninety percent from the line as well. So, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, uh, even though he's not necessarily a advanced stats darling, yeah. he's definitely, uh, you get your bank for your buck. for guy's only making $12 million a year with the cap also rising pretty much every year. So, you take a guy like that and hopefully you flip him with an asset like the Milwaukee pick. I'm not sure what that kind of gets you in, in the offseason in the market. You know, but... We need some kind of viable starting point guard that can help us because even if we do get a guy like Zion, we're still short some guy who can initiate offense. Zion has shown that he can pass. He can show he's a really good teammate, but he's primarily a second initiator. You're not going to necessarily run all your offense with Zion. You want him to kind of be a uh, you know whipped cream on top kind of guy or somebody that is a cherry on top, if you will. You yeah,
2: know, I see Zion's offensive game like a Blake Griffin, the guy that can get the ball in the high post and make the right play, throw a lob to A in or hit the open shooter yeah. or attack.
4: Agreed, agreed. Exactly what I think he's going to be able and to do. Range yeah. In making-wise, I want us to have our point guard like to be doing it, and then I want like Book and Josh to obviously do it too, but I want the point guard doing most of the work, and then
0: Book and Josh can do
4: that
0: responsibility. Yeah, Man, if Josh just took all offseason to work on finishing at the rim and continuing <laughs> to fix the shot mechanics, he would be, like, a 50% better player. Oh, well, he's going to be disgusting. Yeah, he adds some weight, too. Yeah, and that's the thing. We, we, a lot of people don't realize it, but he hasn't even, like, fully grown into his body yet. Yeah. Oh, bro. He's so skinny. <laughs> he is so. He's skinny. gotten stronger,
2: football, and you bro. can tell because he's been finishing dunks now.
4: Yeah, he's, getting, yeah. he's getting bigger now because yeah. he's
0: not as skinny as he was. But he's like his frame is like really small. Yeah, for the last like two years, him and Marquise Chris has been the best almost dunked on guys in the league. I swear to <laughs> God, bro. is. <laughs> yes. so there's a couple never awards for. Their misses are just impressive, and yeah. for some reason they didn't finish it. But he's been catching a few over the last few games. But he's not a very long guy. Like you see, Mikhail, you see Ubre with these. Seven two wingspans, obviously, yeah. and they're only like you know, six seven six eight. You know, so Josh doesn't have the best length, but what he does have is obviously heart. And you've seen if you followed him through Kansas, and even if you didn't, you can see from his rookie season to now the hitch in a shot has improved tenfold. And he's still shooting 29% from three point line. Yes, not very good, but um, I still feel very. Hopeful with him going forward. He's a guy who is very honest He lets his game speak for himself even though sometimes, you know, he makes a lot of mistakes and I think he shot like four for 15 yesterday But um, I think to just rag on him and he's the end-all be-all worst player in the NBA I don't think it's necessarily true When you're on that bad of a team, you know, he's gonna look worse if he does Yeah, he's gonna look worse, especially by those advanced ad numbers. Yeah, that's gonna make him look terrible Book just got, like, really good over, like, the last year and a half in advanced stats. You know, as good as he was, you know, because when you're losing by 10, 15, 20 points every night, you know, everybody's going to look pretty bad, so. And they used to get on him about those numbers on Twitter. Fools. Yeah, I'm not listening to too much of
3: science Twitter. Those are the same people that defended Dragon Bender for two seasons. So I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm going to watch what I need to watch and dictate it based on that. I'm not even going to feed into it. I think Josh Jackson is going to be an excellent player, period. And that's just that.
2: It just seems like he wants to win so bad that he's forcing everything.
3: And you know what? I'm cool. Like, honestly, it's <laughs> like, I'm hot motor with a team like this, is I'm cool with it. You know, show me you care. Like, I want, as long as you look like you care as much as we do when we're watching it, I'm cool. Like, exactly. he's gonna make mistakes and he's gonna overplay and do things like that. But you know what? I would much rather him
0: be that guy than the other, Literally. you know. hell, agreed. And, you know who Josh Jackson reminds me a lot of? And, this might be a kind of a strange parallel, but, Old Doug Buckman Jr. Like Old Buckman Jr. gets a gets a rap, a bad rap, for caring too much. Right? Caring too much. He's a diva. You know, he's, you know, having tirades on, on the sidelines, so on and so forth. But the talent isn't question. And Josh Jackson kinda reminds me a lot of him that he just wants to win so badly that sometimes he rubs people the wrong way and he comes off in a wrong way. But he's a super intelligent guy. If you ever hear his interviews and you hear his his post-game uh, you know, comments to some of the Suns beat writers. Yeah. He's extremely informed, uh, very knowledgeable, very self-aware. Because I remember when uh, Triana was still the coach, and he was going through a really, really bad spurt, and he wasn't really getting consistent minutes. He was very honest with himself, and he said he started he evaluated himself. And he went back and started to actually watch film for the first time in his career. And that's when he had like that really great second half, but he was averaging like 25 and 4 on like, you know, semi-good percentages. So yeah, I, I, see yeah. what, I see those parallels, you know, where guys, a guy like yeah. Odell, a guy like Josh, they care too much and they get really bad rap in the media. Obviously, Odell is like supernova talented. And, you know, I don't think they're on the same playing field when it comes to that, but they kind yeah. of remind me of each other. Yeah, I, I like
3: that comparison, actually.
4: See exactly really what you're saying. Guys like that change the culture that we we're talking about. That's why I need him and Uber, even Mikhail, I need those three here. Yes, yes. we need Rasan Holmes.
0: All three of those guys are gonna help change this culture because they care too much. And you can Especially tell where the league it. is going. Where the league is going, when you have these wings and you've got to be interchangeable, you got to be switchable on defense. Um, you can't teach length. So a guy like Uber and a guy like Mikael have this advantage over most of the players in the NBA with their length or most of their average, you know. Adversaries on the other end, because if they're guarding a 6 five shooting guard, or they're guy guarding a six or seven small forward with average length, most of the time defensively they're going to have that advantage. So, um, I think I'm inclined to say that going forward, I would want to keep a rotation of Josh, Mikhail, and Ubre in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how that looks like for Igor with his questionable rotations, but uh, I need that. With that being said, those are the like the key guys that you want to kind of. Map
2: out and say this is what we're gonna build our team around, and hopefully add other pieces that, that work. I wouldn't even yeah. mind like McKell and Kelly starting, and then Josh being the initiator off the bench for now, yep. because we don't have that off the bench
4: right now. That's a really good point. Not at all either. Even if that's what happens next season, I just need all three of them here. Because, because we're not gonna, gonna if we get
2: a point guard, we're not gonna be able to start all three. One of them or two of yeah, them one are one one of gonna have to come off
0: the bench. Uh, and talk, talking about point guards really makes me depressed because <laughs> you got D'Angelo Russell who is my favorite player from the 2015 draft. A guy that I have you know followed his whole career and obviously couldn't cheer on when he was in the Lakers because clearly right. even though it has been a little more one-sided over the last few years the Lakers are still our rivals. Yeah. So with that being said to see the way he's taken off become an all-star and lead a very young good net team that is only going to get better just makes yourself so depressed because you know they're going to match so it's like our only options are like terry rosier and like trading for like mike conley you know if that's even a possibility rosier so is Rozier the scariest
2: option i
4: yeah i do not <laughs> want
2: rosier man
4: i really feel yeah, i'm like so. yeah rosier gives me like reggie jackson vibes Oh my God, yes. So the exact vibes it gives me. If we get him, he's going to be Reggie Jackson. Everybody thought Reggie Jackson was going to be nice when he left the Thunder and ended up being like a guy that I turned. I feel like that's what, that'll happen when we're Zero here, here.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of scary because he has ties to our training staff. Uh, there's a few people that are on the staff that have coached him before, have worked with him on a personal level, and there have been rumors from very reputable, uh, reputable people that have connected him to the Suns. And this off season saying that we're definitely going to get a visit, so I mean, it just really scares me. He just seems like negative Eric Bledsoe.
4: Yeah, like I don't think he's super terrible, <laughs> yeah. but like I would like I know it sounds crazy, but I probably would rather draft job and go with Terry. Mm-hmm. Terry would be my last. He'll be my last if we really have like no other option and go into the season with like Ellie and Bell starting again. So if he's like the last option, then go ahead and give me Terry.
2: He's, he's just gonna cost it. a lot of money he's gonna yeah. I just don't I don't like the option of him at all he doesn't entice yeah. me nothing about him entices me
4: a Celtics fan this year like been on his head like yeah. he really has that thing. like really last like night
2: that. I literally during the Celtics game Celtics fans were complaining that he doesn't pass and I'm like that's yeah, totally not good. what
0: we need you don't need anything like that yeah, he was he good was slandered. I, he was slandered a lot. I don't think he's shot above 36% in his career so far. Yeah, so I really He's the
2: guy Tony was saying that's going to come to 11-win team to shot Chuck.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's the perfect guy to... He's going to get 20 points and 20 shots per game. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, percent Because he's going to shoot that thing. Good God, he is. <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm just we're not the ones that are going to give him a whole bunch of money just because he had a good uh, little playoff stretch
2: just because he cooked Bled which anybody can do
4: yeah bless like, right, a like exactly. so you know how that goes <laughs> please don't be the team that
0: falls for that yes. so Royal all the consensus is basically Zion and bush. that's kind of where we're all at with it right
3: besides Zion please, but, yeah i yeah, I mean I'm cool
0: with that. Yeah,
3: just because we have a lot of wings already, but I do like RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish.
0: I do like them a like Me, them me too. Lines. I absolutely do as well. And adding a guy like Cam Reddish and trading him for TJ Warren, like basically getting rid of TJ Warren in some way, shape, or form, and adding Cam. I'm like, man, his shot just look so beautiful. We're like that. He's oh, like, yeah. he's like six nine. Oh. Like, oh man,
2: I like Reddish better
0: than Barrett. I was, in I turn, was really, yeah, and Barrett, coming into the season and then I cooled off of him a little bit just because he started shot chucking a little bit and I get it to some extent, but he was obviously as a Duke fan. He was playing out of the, the system a little bit and it cost us, you know, during certain stretches of the game. Um, but with that being said, I'm kind of back on the, on the, on the train of the RJ Barrett train, if you will. But I can see where him and book will kind of clash because they're similar kind of like offensive centerpieces. Yeah. I think their fit would be kind of weird. I think Cam
4: fit would be a little better.
2: Yeah, I don't like Barrett's fit, really. I like Reddish's because he's just going to be a guy that can knock down open shot.
0: It's kind of one of these things where if you get RJ Barrett, you really have to coach him up and hope that he doesn't just kind of say, I'm going to do my own thing, which he's done several times yeah. you know, throughout his year so far. Um, so I can see that clashing because... He seems like an alpha male. Josh is obviously an alpha male. And so is Booker. So having three of those guys on the same team kind of seems like you're, you're like asking for it.
2: Yeah, so. yeah Barrett kind of seems like a, a six-man NBA. Like, that's what his mentality is right now with how he's playing. That's how it seems like he'll be. Like, he has all the potential in the world. But if he doesn't capitalize on it, he's just going to be like a Lou Will.
0: You know what? It He kind of... He's kind of in this perfect space where he can either be like an OJ male you know super talented highly touted you know recruit you know was top in his class was supposed to be like a top you know he he basically came as an overall prospect until Zion just kind of took off because nobody saw Zion taking off like he did so he's either going to be an OJ male or going to reach his potential because the the talent is not even a question
2: like a like a Wiggins
0: yeah, exactly. So if he wants it and he's motivated, there's no reason why he can't because he has an athletic profile. He has a size. He's six seven. He can pass. He can defend when he wants to. You know, he's a lefty who can shoot as well. He just had a triple double. You know, a few games ago, and has zero turnovers. So that shows you, and that's only the second triple double in Duke history, by the way. So, um, yeah. or, or, or through 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 coaches K's tenure, anyway. So um, that shows you his talents, but he's kind of like is he going to be really good or is he kind of just want to get his own where he comes to the league and say, you know, I've made it. So yeah. uh, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. So I think if everybody else is okay with okay, it, we're going to wrap it here. Good second pod. Very excited to continue going. Uh, please do remember that TixBlix is the official ticket provider for the post-podcast network. And this has been the second episode of the Sons and done brought to you by the post-podcast network. See you soon, guys.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network it's simple all you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulse i'll say it one more time marketing at pulse podcast network.com. and we hope to hear from you soon